You're listening to a podcast from Burley Heads Church of Christ, from Burley Heads on the Gold Coast. Hey everybody, welcome to Burley Church Online. Um, great to great to be with you again this way. I um, yeah, really really enjoying the series we're currently in in Leviticus, and we're going to continue that today. If you would like any more information at any time, you don't have to be a part of the Burley Church of Christ Church. You'd be just watching us anywhere. Just please reach out, all uh, whether it's on all our socials, on yeah, Facebook, Instagram, or via YouTube. We'd love to hear from you and love to hear what you think of this series. And uh, even ideas for the future because, um, yeah, we really appreciate the reach and how wide we've been able to talk and connect with people, um, yeah, across the planet through this format. So please let us know if you're being reached and where you're from. We love those stories. So when I um, when I was a younger man than I am today, <laughs> probably about 18, 19, my mate Dave had this massive property at the back of Helensdale and uh, we'd all go camp there um yeah probably once every couple of months and we had a another mate who had moved over grant was his name he'd moved over from perth i believe or maybe adelaide sorry grant but perth or adelaide very close in australia <laughs> but anyway he moved from afar and he was living with his brother on the gold coast and grant was sleeping uh, over that night at Hallensvale. and as we all started to call our parents those of us that lived at home still only 18 we all called our parents and um, just said, "Hey, Mum and Dad, just to let you know, we're staying at um, we're staying at Dave's tonight. That's why we won't be home." Simple. Grant decides, even though he hasn't lived at home for six months to a year, he decides to ring his parents, and the time difference means it's like eleven o'clock at night or twelve o'clock at night. Wakes them up and says, "Mum and Dad, I'm sleepy at Dave's. Is that okay?" And they don't know who Dave is. He's been living out of home for a year. And it was, yeah, it was it was ridiculous but kind of funny as he rang his parents um, and asked them if he could stay over Dave's, even though he'd been out of home for a year. And it kind of ties into today's message because now as a mid-30s-year-old male, <laughs> it doesn't matter my gender, around bedtime, but married, got my own family, and um, I don't ring my parents anymore and ask if I can go to bed or what time can I go to bed. Um, But for a very long time growing up, I'd go to bed after Neighbours. The theme song would play and I'd have to go to bed at 6.30. But I no longer do that. Um, But my kids, funny enough, know that around 6.37, they know now I have to put them to bed. At some point, we grow up. At some point, it goes from you better get to bed or there's no TV in the morning or whatever the, whatever the uh, punishment, you better get to bed or we won't be very happy with you, changes to just knowing we should go to bed because if not, we'll be tired. If not, we're not going to be as productive. We're not going to be as awake, funny enough, the next day. It changes. We grow up and that's exactly what I want to explore today, opening up with Leviticus 11 as we continue this story, essentially, of a tribe that God has reordered, rescued from slavery, and is growing up and has been for the last 3,000 years. It's been growing up his people. Let's read though, Leviticus 11, 1 to 8. And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying to them, speak to the people of Israel, saying, these are the living things that you may eat among all the animals. 
that are on the earth, whatever parts the hoof is cloven-footed and chews the cud among the animals you may eat. Nevertheless, among those that chew the cud or part the hoof, you shall not eat these things. The camel, because it is chews the cud but does not part the hoof, is unclean to you. And the rock badger, because it chews the cud but does not part the hoof, is unclean to you. And the hare, because it chews the cud, but does not part the hoof. If you haven't been part of this, if you've just joined us in Leviticus, you might be going, what's going on? Got to go right back from the beginning. Start at Leviticus 1 and join us here. Leviticus is repetitive. It is formational to these people. And we're going to get to the deeper meaning of this in a moment. But does not part the hoof is unclean to you. Carrying on from Leviticus eleven seven, And the pig, because it parts the hoof and is cloven-footed, but does not chew the cud, is unclean to you. You shall not eat any of their flesh, and you shall not touch their carcasses. They are unclean to you. I'm going to pause there. Actually stop there, because Leviticus 11 goes on. And it goes into verse 12, and it goes into 13. And we're not going to read it all now, but please... Um, let me encourage you to go have a look through Leviticus 11. But it goes to talk about this idea of some things are clean and some things are unclean. Some things you should eat, some things you shouldn't eat. Some things, it goes on to exciting things such as skin diseases and various discharges. Again, I can leave that to you to read, but there is a deeper rhythm or point here. Needless to say, there is certain contextual rules and laws for three and a half thousand years ago but also, this is God telling people that were once slaves that are now free living with him, he's giving them a bedtime. This is God saying, after neighbours, when it finishes, you need to go to bed. Now, for many of you listening that are younger than me or live in another country, you have no idea what I'm talking about by saying after neighbours. It's already out of context, and that's only 30 years old. Imagine three and a half thousand year old law. God is giving these people order to their disordered lives, hoping that they will grow through these rhythms. So this stuff has layers. My heart behind this whole series has been in a world that is super strange at the moment. I don't need to convince you of that. In a world where people are pretty cloudy, I want to explore God's big story. Looking at this ancient text, not in a hope that we know cool facts, not in a hope that it doesn't it confuse us even further, but that we can see some possible big ideas, the grand story of the Bible, the rhythms, the themes that God has been injecting into creation from the very beginning and what our role is in it. And we've discovered some things so far. Again, go back if you're just joining us today. The whole series is getting online. The last few weeks, we've been introduced to these characters, these characters called priests. God, in this reordered tribe that's meant to be one day, he says, a priesthood to all nations, he creates this leadership group called priests, and they are representations of what God is doing in the whole tribe. Now, spoiler alert, God's big plan is for everyone to become priests. And so we've been talking about that today, post-Jesus, you are essentially a sent priest into your workplace, into your, into your housing, into your shopping center, into your street. Uh, and I'm not saying you need to wear a collar and do that traditional image of a priest. This is different. We looked at what the Bible calls priestly work and we kind of summarized it by two things, which you can go back to the last two weeks where we explored that a priest 
points to what is holy and a priest protects what is holy. Let me say that again. We looked at this idea that you as a priest, if you know Jesus, your role in this world is to point to what is holy. You see generosity, you see something good and it's from God, creation, life, forgiveness, love. And that is good. That's what my God's about. Point to what is holy. And then in other circumstances, protect what is holy. Injustice. Things that go against. You're protecting. And in your own life, your own addictions, your own vices, protect the holiness from that. Protecting what is holy and protecting what is holy. And I guess that's been the theme of the last two weeks or the last two episodes. But today we want to look at something different because what about the stuff that's not so neat? (laughs) Don't steal. That's not holy. That's maybe easy. Don't, uh, that's generous, that's good, that's easy. But what about the grey stuff in our life? What about the things that aren't as clear cut? How do we be priests in a world that is full of grey? Let me give you some examples. Um, well, for starters, parenting. Talked about this at the start. Parenting is just, is, is can be grey. What to do, how to raise these kids, it's hard Sometimes it's hard to know if you're doing the right thing or the wrong thing. You're trying. And so there's a lot of grey, a lot of growing up these kids as you grow up into parents. If you're a parent, you know what I'm talking about. Obviously, it's black and white in that. But there's a lot of grey on how to be a good parent. What about things in this world that, um, so an easy one is marijuana or, or, yeah, as it becomes legal across the planet. It was easy when it was protecting the law and it was illegal. That was a bit more clear cut. But many places, especially in the states where it's more legal, it's becoming more grey. People are going, well, am I allowed to use it now? Am I allowed to use this drug? And there's some obvious answers to that around abuse and around addiction and and the way it's destroyed lives. But it can get pretty grey when then compared to coffee, sugar, (laughs) alcohol, as other drugs we legally use. And what's their place? How do we learn and discern that? There's a gray, there's grayness to our world. Even asking God what he's got for you next or in a situation with a job or another job or offers or whatever. How do we figure that stuff out when it's not as clear cut as clean and unclean? God obviously cares about these things. We know this because he writes this whole book of Leviticus to this tribe about the details. He obviously cares about the details. He cares about the ordering. But then what do we do when we don't shoot, when it doesn't have a verse in Leviticus? (laughs) What do we do? How do we know how to order things? Well, let's continue down this line of what happens to this group of people because 1,500 years later, Jesus comes and he establishes the church. And something else happens in terms of unclean and clean. Let me read here in Acts 10, 9. The next day as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. And he became hungry and wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance and saw the heavens opened and something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. 
But Peter said, by no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. Peter, quoting Levitical law, going, you asked me to eat something you said was unclean. And a voice came to him again a second time. What God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times and the thing was taken up once to heaven. Leviticus 9 referenced here. And God presses Peter to distinguish now between the common and holy, the clean and unclean. And so what's going on here? Did did, did God change his mind? Did God change his mind? Because I just read that he these things were clean and unclean and now he's saying, Peter, eat them. Did God change his mind? And the answer is no, absolutely not. This was always the plan. Let me say that again. No, this was always the plan. The world grows and moves. Jesus paid the ultimate price, brought us back into relationship with the Father. He ripped the tent in two. We became the priests. In our world, we get to point and protect what is holy. Don't you see God's past telling his people what time they need to go to bed? He's given them the Holy Spirit now. It's time to distinguish. It's time to know what is good for us. It's time to know him. He wants us to understand we need rest. Not tell us go to bed after neighbours at 6.30. He wants to, us to grow up. Post-Jesus, as a moving, expanding kingdom, he is expecting us to grow up. Distinguish between clean and unclean. Leviticus 10 said this right from the beginning. Back then it said that this has been God's plan. You are to distinguish. He's saying this to the priest between the holy and common, between the clean, unclean and the clean. You are to teach the people of Israel all the statutes that the Lord has spoken to them by Moses. Now as us, as priests, modern day, post-Jesus, we are to distinguish ourselves between holy and common. Or as Paul says in Corinthians 10, 23, 31, all things are lawful. But not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. This is radical teaching. (laughs) If you were hearing this as a a Jewish man or woman at that time, Paul's saying all things are lawful post-Jesus, but not all things are good. (laughs) Not all things build up. Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. Eat whatever is sold in the meat market without raising any question on the ground of conscience. So eat whatever you want, for the earth is the Lord and the fullness, therefore. If one of the unbelievers invites you to dinner and you are disposed to go eat whatever is set before you without raising any question on the ground of conscience. But if someone says to you, this has been offered in sacrifice, then do not eat it for the sake of the one who informed you and for the sake of consequence. Again, go to someone's house. They give you food, eat it in good conscience. You're being, you're accepting the hospitality. You're loving your neighbor. They say to you, oh, by the way, dinner tonight was offered to the, <laughs> my God, let's use a God at this time, Moloch. Um, you should have some as part of this ritual feast. Saying, no, you won't eat that because you know you're, you're preaching, you're protecting something that's holy. <laughs> So he goes on, for the sake of the conscience, I do not mean your conscience, but his, for which should my liberty be termed by someone else's conscience? If I partake with thankfulness, why am I denounced because of that, 
for which I give thanks. So whenever you eat or drink or whatever you do, do for the glory of God. I love that in 1 Corinthians 10, 23. Just, I love that line. I have the right to do anything you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. If you understand what is being said here fully, then you will know how dangerous this message is. This is super dangerous for anyone who seeks control. This is dangerous for religious institutions, not movements of God. This is dangerous for those who want to judge others, but not consider their own faults. Those that want to breed anxiety, control, fear and anger, they're very upset by this message. It's scary to them. It's dangerous because in the face of controlling organizations, in the face of people that want to distinguish for you, in the face of people that want to breed anxiety and fear and law again, this is saying, no, you're free. Saying you're free now. Free to distinguish. Free to grow up. It's not up for someone else to tell you how to live or to cause you anxiety and fear about what you eat and what you do. You're free. If you know Jesus, if you've accepted him, if you have the Holy Spirit in and with you, then God is treating you like an adult now. He's not giving you a bedtime. He's not literally telling you to eat your veggies. He's no longer saying, oh, did you wash your hands like he did for this tribe? Because they needed that order. Instead, he's inviting you to grow up and distinguish. Still an invitation there because he's inviting you to be full of the Holy Spirit with full knowledge of his word, to dig into his word, knowing his heart, learning his ways, his truth through Jesus. And of course, trusted community. He's not inviting you to do this alone. He's inviting you to have people that are accountable, not controlling. He invites you to take ownership, be discerning in all areas. He cares about the macro and micro, but he also cares about you becoming a Christian adult, learning to distinguish. So in terms of questions that are grey, like in terms of generosity and greed, how many houses can I own before I'm greedy? You know, that type of thing. That's not the question. The question becomes, am I building the kingdom or my own empire? And the answers can look very different. The answer, the question around, what do I eat then? Am I allowed to eat this? Am I allowed to take this? The question is, am I allowed to smoke this? That's not, that's the wrong question. The question is, is it beneficial to kingdom work? Smoking might become legal, drug taking, whatever. Substance abuse might become legal. But is it beneficial to kingdom work? Is too much coffee, too much McDonald's beneficial to your kingdom work? Sure, it might be permissible, but is it beneficial to kingdom work in God's glory? The rhythms you've committed to this year, who and what are they building? Wealth, ego, flesh, or God's glory through his kingdom. In your family, with your partner, in your, with your kids, 
Are you building into your partner? Are you building up your kids? Are you making disciples? Is there deeper rhythms in your life? We talk a lot about here at this community, we call small relationships, those committed, trusted relationships, we call them small tables. Are you a part of a small table? Say it again, this whole series has been an invitation to consider the macro plan, the story of Jesus, which affects the micro in our world. It literally starts in this verse in Leviticus, God telling these people when and where to menstruate, or not when, but where, and to wash their hands. Mostly so this ancient tribe didn't die, had some sort of hygiene had some sort of order to their disordered, ex-slave-like lives. But the hope right there from the beginning is that one day he wouldn't have to tell people that they would know his story, his book, and they would gather and grow in his spirit as they continued kingdom work. So where does this leave us? We've just finished kind of the priest section talking about pointing towards holy, protecting what is holy, and in between all of that, distinguishing. Where does it leave us as we enter this extremely grey world? How do we navigate, invest time and energy and grow? Well, I like the way Hebrews puts it. Hebrews 7.18 says, The former regulation is set aside because it was weak and useless. That's pretty strong words. (laughs) And in brackets it says here, For the law made nothing perfect. And a better hope is introduced by which we draw near to God. Beautiful, better words than I could ever say. This writer, or Paul in Hebrews, is saying, the law's pretty useless. It gives us some good instructions, but it's been, uh, I mean, uh, proceeded or made full in Jesus. Now we can draw near to God. Draw near to God. It's a growing relationship. So where do we go from here? Well, I mean, I don't call my parents for bedtime anymore. They would assume that I know, know to go to bed. They would assume and hope that I know when I'm tired. They would hope that I grow and know that I can teach my kids a bedtime and that they would grow to know when they're tired and need rest. I hope one day my daughter Aria knows when she's tired and understands when she needs rest. God is expecting the same for us. He wants us to grow, move beyond simplistic rules and regulations and into relationship. And so I ask some pretty simple questions. But as we are well and truly in this year, at the time of recording this, it's about halfway through the year. But whatever time, these are questions to reflect on because you can't do the discerning and distinguishing work of a priest without having confident answers to these questions. And so I ask, how's your relationship with Jesus going? Let me ask some further questions. Are you reading the Bible? Do you know his big story? Do you know his story so that when you're met with grey areas of life, you know what he would be saying? You know what he's done before. You know which way he leans. You know where the kingdom is moving. Do you know his big story? Are you listening to the Spirit? If the Spirit was telling you that something is not beneficial for you in the moment, even if it's lawfully good, 
would you know? Would you have listened to it that day? Would have you started that day listening and finishing that day with the Spirit? Do you know its voice? And do you have trusted small table? Do you have trusted people in your life that could call you out? We talked a lot about not having people in your life that are trying to control, but having accountability is what this whole thing's about, what this tribe was about from the very beginning. Having people that you trust in your life, that you have shared with, that know your weaknesses, that can say, Steve, the spirit is a sense that what you're doing is not beneficial, mate. Sure, you're allowed to do that. I don't know what that looks like. Hey, Steve, that seventh car you're about to purchase, mate, there's a sense in the spirit that may not be the most generous use of your funds, of your money. But because that person has trusted relationship with me, I would hope that they could tell me that. They could pull me up. Do you have people in your life? That's the church. (laughs) Do you have small community within your church that is trusted, that you can call on? Are you reading the Bible? Are you in his story? Are you listening to his spirit? And do you have trusted small community? It's a simplistic message in so many senses, but a deep one. Seriously, in a world of gender discussions, in a world of, as spoken about, legalisation of drugs, with a world government shifting to a more China-centric model, with questions around vaccines, with questions that we face with every day, we desperately need a church of adults. (laughs) We desperately need a church of priests that are taking responsibility of their own faith, that are seeking to move in step with God and are seeking to benefit the kingdom, construct, be constructive and distinguish in it all. New or old Christian, are you growing? Let me pray. Father, we just as we finish the priest section of Leviticus, I just ask you to help us distinguish in the grey. You no longer require us to have a bedtime in the sense of or rules on what we can and can't eat, what's unclean and clean. Rather, your hope for us is that we grow to distinguish, that we know your voice, not run ahead but follow. Help that voice become louder in our life. Help us find ways to listen to that, know your big story, know your community and know you, Lord. Father, Holy Spirit, speak to us now. Grow us and help us distinguish between common and holy so that we can point and protect it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us. Look forward to seeing you in the, uh, yeah, as we continue this series in Leviticus.